And we're back. Okay, so we're here for part two of our Indonesia Bali adventure. Adventure. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've split this up into two parts. The second part is our our solo uh, scooter diaries travel thing. We didn't really have too much of a plan when we took off on the scooter. No, we kind of had like an idea of like where like an outline outline of where we wanted to go like we knew we wanted to go to east bali you wanted to go to south bali and we made both of those things happen mm-hmm. by going east and then south north then east north northeast then south <laughs> yeah northeast um so we got our scooter which tell us what kind of scooter we got as a gear a motorhead or whatever am i a motorhead? motorhead uh it was a yamaha x max which is like um, what like a faster scooter it's just bigger it's like a 300 cc scooter um i'm not sure what the average was i would say most people most people i would guess were riding like 150s what does that mean 150 cc so that's like the displacement in the engine so how powerful the engine is kind of okay uh, so my last motorcycle was a thousand cc's. Oh, the Widowmaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most people it seemed like we're on fairly small scooters, like a one, 150, 175, 200, two, 250s, something like that. So like the max speed that you got to on this thing was like what? Oh, I don't know. We ne- we never tried. There were, there was not enough. No, I mean, what straight did, what road. You, I know, but what was the max that you reached? Like a hundred kilometers? An I hour? guess I don't know. Which I translates to like what? I wasn't really paying attention. I was. There was like, the the roads there are not like they are in America, like in the U.S. Like there's no like straight open roads where you could like open anything up everything was so very like narrow and curvy and like 90 degree turns except when we kind of like got down to where we were going into Denpasar there were some long stretches but they didn't last for that long yeah I wouldn't say they were would be good maybe they were like two lanes but maybe if there's nobody on the road but everything was very congested so we took off in our little scooter after our excuse me after our sort of rural resort time we were chomping at the bit to kind of see more more of the island since we had been like mostly in the same place for what a yeah. week or something so 100 kilometers is roughly 62 miles oh, per hour very so pretty fast. slow yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so our first stop was lake batur under mount batur i don't know why i chose that you know like i've had like different things like come up on my tiktok feed and then like i kind of just like poked around like a lot of people were saying you should go to East Bali because it's beautiful and, like, less um, touristy than, like, South Bali or whatever. Um, so we went to Lake Batur. We stayed at this. Uh, we didn't have a plan for a resort. And then we sh- we quickly realized maybe we should plan or, like, where we want to stay a little bit in advance. Yeah. Because um, we went to, like, one place and the they fr- were booked up. Yeah, we went to the second place and they were, like more expensive than they listed online so we probably should have just like booked online instead you know than in person but um yeah it was a nice little spot it was the only spot our whole trip that didn't have ac but we were in this like lake mountain i don't know lake mountain climate yeah it was a little higher up um anywhere else we had been so it really wasn't i don't know i didn't get that i didn't get hot hot did you it was was warm but warmer yeah but it wasn't like i can't sleep warm um 
Yeah, so what did we do? We didn't really do much in Lake Batur. We no, kind of just, just wandered kind of, around. Yeah, wandered. As we do. It, I, mean, I mean, for me, the most interesting thing about it was, like, kind of when we crawled back out and started reading, like, more about the history of it. It's, like, uh, Mount Batur is, like, the smaller volcano, and it's inside the crater of a super volcano. Is Kintamani the super volcano? Is, or is uh, a, a, a... I don't know what the name is. There's... Um, there's like Kintamani, there's Angung, which is the one that I think it's called Angung. I don't think it was, I don't think it was either of those. It was, it, I don't think it was still active. Mm. Um, but on our way out, we like like to get down into the, where the lake is. You have to like drive into the crater, and like when we drove out, there's a bunch of like coffee shops kind of up on the rim, mm-hmm. like big cafes, and you could like see the actual mouth of the big vol- super volcano which is really like crazy to like think that there is like, a good volcano that big and that's yeah. not even that big of a super volcano i feel like the yellowstone super volcano is like much much bigger mm-hmm. you could see like where a lava flow had also like i don't know if it recently burned or it had just left this like um scorch mark coming down from mm-hmm. where we were sitting we were, we were stopped at a coffee shop that had this like really beautiful scenic overlook on our way out you could see the lake you could see yeah kind of like the vistas around us but yeah that big scorch didn't you read about what that was that was like, yeah relatively it was, i recent? think it was like in the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. uh i think the most recent abruption from batura was in 2000 but it don't it didn't have lava flows just like ash cloud mm-hmm. um but yeah, I know when we were like down in Batur and we were like driving, there's one section that just looks like kind of a crazy like forest fire or something. We're like, oh, there must have been a forest fire recently. Yeah, because the tops of the trees weren't burnt, but the ground and like halfway up the trees were. So that seems like maybe it was a lava flow, not yeah. a fire. It, it was weird. I like noted it as we were driving through. I was like, this is weird. But also that was the same area we, where I pointed out those signs where like there was a, I don't know if you noticed this, but I felt like there was a markedly different feeling going from like Pamudaran, Ubud to Batur. I got a sense more so from the, like, we got some dirty looks from some of the locals and I don't know if that was cause they didn't. I like didn't feel like dirty looks anytime in Bali except for, from Westerners. Yeah. The lady, like as we were pulling out of that first hotel that had no vacancy, maybe uh, she just didn't like that we were scootering on that very small road, but she gave us a very dirty look. Oh, uh, um, I didn't. To me, it was more kind of like, uh, she waiting for us to go and we didn't really go oh you think that's why yeah i just noticed like a different kind of feeling and then i and maybe it was colored in some sense by these signs that i saw up that were about this big luxury resort hotel development that the locals are pushing back against in the batur forest i believe it was called um, and the sign said something like this is our home this is not for your development so there's some tension there which like we've touched on this a little bit but like and i i think this was the first i had seen where that tension was like the other side of it was addressed of like don't come in here with your developments and develop our land whereas when we were talking to like the drivers and like tour guides and i was like how do people generally feel about tourism is it a good thing or a bad thing everyone said i think it's good it creates prosperity people's lives are improving you know Mm -hmm. this was the first i had seen of like the other side of that so yeah maybe i was like 
my bias was coming from seeing those signs, but like I had a feeling in Batur of like maybe a little more resistance to tourism taking hold, development taking hold, luxury resorts coming in, Airbnbs becoming the norm or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there is more of like an anti-tourism sentiment there. I don't know, you know, but I didn't, I did note those signs because that was the only thing I saw during our entire trip that was like anti uh, gentrification of uh, these towns, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't take a picture of the sign. I pointed it out to you, but you were obviously driving, you know? Um, but also I think Batur, from what I could tell, was like maybe more of a local tourist destination. Like Yeah, that definitely seemed like the case to me. Like it was like Lake Arrowhead or it was like Idlewild or something where like people who live in Bali go for like a weekend like lake vacation or something. Yeah, definitely definitely seemed like kind of like a naturey mm-hmm. spot. There was a lot of hot springs kind of. Oh, yeah, the hot springs were big. We didn't end up going, but No. Um also the like Jeep tour, ATV tour, dirt biking was like is like a big tourist draw there. And you wanted to go dirt biking. Mhm. And we were planning on doing that, but then we started looking at it and it was it was pretty expensive. Yeah. For what it was. Um, so we didn't end up doing that there, but we did see uh, kind of like the local village, which is like a fishing, seems like a fishing centric. Yeah, there's a lot of like fish farms in the lake. And people just see. out in there like dug out canoes fishing. Or maybe they were going to the farms, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We had dinner at this um, really delicious little home warung where... Remember those kids were being mm-hmm. like really silly and playing with us. Um, I think our whole meal cost like six dollars or to, between the two of us. It was mm. kind of wild, but it was really it was really good. It was really delicious. I loved it. There was two options. <laughs> yeah, two options. You get what you get, and it was super yummy. Fish was caught locally. I can't remember what she said the fish was that day. I wouldn't be able white to fish. I think it was just white fish. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, like, the gist of it. We also saw the these um, shallot farms. Yeah, there's a lot of shallot farms there. Shallot so farms cool. and tomatoes. Yeah, a lot of tomatoes. I was not expecting to see a bunch of tomatoes. I mean, I guess for the sambal, some of the sambals are tomato-based. I wonder if that's... Mm. And, the of course, the sambal mata is, like, the, the red, cha- the purple shallot or whatever. So it seemed like shallot farming tomato farming and fish farming were like very prevalent there and then you have the audio still of the really weird bug that we heard or whatever it was yeah we don't know what it was it was something in this tree that was making this really loud bizarre noise but yeah so that was Batur and let's see we took our time the next day I have here in my photos you like elegantly (laughs) showing off the breakfast that they gave us at the hotel i also have a picture of a scorpion that we found in our hotel room and then i have this up above the clouds kind of looking down on like the tour then was our very interesting scooter ride east to the east coast of bali and we got caught in a rainstorm was part of it because we went up into the mountains yeah we're like at the beginning of rainy season kind of um and 
if you ever want to have an interesting time, yeah, Google Map <laughs> Google Map your way through a place you've never been, especially like country you've never been on a scooter uh, you've never been on. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to climb up out of the volcanic crater, and we're like up in the mountains, and have to. I guess we're kind of heading north, and have to drop down um, to the coast, and we got taken on this wild tiny little road that was yeah. basically on top of this like mountain ridge it was like the, it was like a footpath a foot basically a footpath like a trip it was I mean, paved. It, was, it was paved but yeah it was not very wide not very wide at all and like on this ridge with like drops on both sides <laughs> it was really it was really cool i mean i know you were more concerned with not killing us and i was more like passenger princessing out and being like this is cool <laughs> And I got videos that I'll put. I'll post some of those screenshots um, in the uh, album for this. But yeah, we were like, we were really out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were seeing pigs and chickens and all the trappings of cool little agro setups in people's homes. And also, it was pouring rain on us, but we we managed to get out of the rain. We got under like a yeah. We pulled over. Next to this building that kind of had a little bit of an overhang. <laughs> and we were debating whether to put Tempest Poncho on me since he, his bag with his, like, drone equipment was on my back. And this was the only time we used your poncho, actually, wasn't it? I think so, yeah, because we didn't... There was no rainy season yet. Well, we did... We, at the end, there was a bunch of rain, but I, I didn't have my bag. You had it, so mm-hmm. I couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. But We put it on me, but the rain had already stopped, essentially. Yeah. Um... Then, I don't know, it was, like, another, like, hour or two hour or another hour to, like, drop down into the coast. Um, and then we were down on this coastal road, which we had kind of been warned about by Maude about the, like, getting stuck behind trucks and that it's, like, a little more, like, transit, like, uh, like trucks and materials and stuff like that. Yeah, but I it wasn't I that was bad. I was not really worried about it. No, because so. you, you were very com- comfortable and confident about passing. Yeah, it's not. I don't Do you want to talk at all about like what it was like learning the logic of scootering in Bali and what the traffic was like for you to mm, navigate? I mean, it's not that. Just it's, to explain what it was. It's. I think if you drive a motorcycle and you do in a state that allows lane splitting, mm-hmm. it's very similar to lane splitting except cars are respectful of it like here in LA when you lane split people like try to cut you off or like are completely unaware and like bump into you and all this crazy shit but uh in Bali it's very much expected and there's more two-wheeled vehicles on the road than there are four wheels so it's it's like a two-wheeler's heaven but i I also mean just if Um, for for listeners if they don't know bali uh you drive on the opposite side of the road getting there okay (laughs) um yeah so opposite side of the road like jenny was saying um and i think we mentioned the part first part like everything moves so much slower just because the roads are not most of the roads weren't two lane most of them are one lane uh and lots of curvy turns and like sharp 90 degree turns um so you can't go as fast and when kind of cars pile up and stuff all the scooters well not all but most kind of veer to the left shoulder and like split past cars that way so if it's two lane you could split on the right um 
as well. Um, and I think my brother described it in a cool way. He said, like, if you had to like tie your shoe or something while you were on a scooter in Bali, like everyone would go around you and it would be fine. If you did that in the States, you'd get run the fuck over. Yeah. Um, There's like just a like respect. a different, yeah. yeah, it's just a different flow of traffic. Uh, I find found aside from maybe like scootering on the like sidewalk, um, that it was fairly easy to pick up. Uh, making right turns were kind of trippy. I feel like if we were driving a car, it would be a lot more disorienting because mm. you'd be on the opposite side of the vehicle, like sitting on the right instead of the left. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it wasn't really that hard to adapt to. But making right turns and like going through some of the like really big... Turnabouts? Roundabouts. Yeah. Uh, was like, okay, where am I going? <laughs> I mean, you can kind of follow the flow of traffic, but there's also, there's also things like when you're trying to merge in, in like an intersection and there's like a logic to it, but also like, you just gotta go. You just have to go. <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. to be somewhat aggressive. It's the, or yeah, somewhat so it's like, defensive. Yeah, people will stop for you if you like get out there. Whereas I think maybe in the beginning I felt a little tentative about it. Cause like here you do that. Someone's going to run you the fuck over. Right. Um, but yeah, it was also really interesting, like stop lights, like the few stop lights we did see were like kind of like suggestions, <laughs> like people would, yeah, definitely not really cars, but scooters for sure. Scooters and motorcycles would just like sweep off to the left and like go through and then Kinda like bikes here, go through really, the rest of the intersection. Yeah, yeah. It was suggested, um, but I didn't see any accidents. Not a single accident. Yeah. Nobody road raging. Nobody yelling at anybody. Uh, there's a lot of honking, but the honking's more of like a, hey, I'm here. I'm next to you. It's yeah. not like an anger thing or like a fuck you thing like it is here. Especially like taking, um, you remember we got sent on some shortcuts around Denpasar where we'd be like in these alleyways, basically, like taking sharp 90 degree turns and you're just supposed to like honk because like someone else is like in this one lane of traffic taking a 90 degree turn the yeah. other way you know things like that it's just cur a curtis it's safety actually safety honks you know it seemed like even our drivers were doing it just on like sharp turns on yeah mountain roads. Let, just... yeah scooters know on the other side or maybe another bigger vehicle and the roads are so narrow in the van what, what was the van? Like a Suzuki? Uh, I don't remember what model it was, but it was basically like a Kai car, like a sm very small, like minivan. Minivan. Like, um, but so much more narrow than what we have here. A lot of times the minivans, it's, it felt like, and I sat in the front a lot just to avoid car sickness, was, um, it was like the default to drive in the middle of the two lanes, like to drive almost over the middle line a lot of time. And then you honk because the other car that's coming is probably over the line too. And then you kind of push into your lane, but because the roads are so narrow, I felt like that was often the default was to like be a little bit more in the middle of the road than like staying exactly in your lane, you know, mm. depending on how busy the road was or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really grateful that you are such a like cool headed driver. Cause I probably would have like dropped the scooter on several no. locations. That's why I wasn't the one driving. Um, no scooter dropping. We didn't have insurance. No. <laughs> well, and it was interesting, too, even, like, 
renting the scooter, he just had us, like, take pictures of all the scratches, and there were, like, a lot of scratches and dents and everything on it, and then when we brought it back, he was like, what's this? And I was like... Uh-oh, we got a picture uh-oh, of that. we took a picture. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that was basically all the insurance there was, was, like, they believe that you took that picture before that damage, like, <laughs> like, if you damaged the scooter, and then, like, you took a picture, would they be like, oh, okay. That was before. I don't know. Maybe would they, they look at the timestamp. Time yeah. Time stamp. yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah, but no, no drops, no scrapes, nothing. I think my toes got scraped once on the curb when oh, we were yeah. like lane splitting, but I was okay. I, I hit a, I hit some kind of rock on the sidewalk oh, when we yeah. were <laughs> with my toe when we were lane splitting. Were you okay? Did you get? Scraped? Yeah, I was fine. No, I don't even. No bruise, nothing. Yeah, it's just like bounced it off my foot. So yeah, that was, uh, I'm really glad we got to do all that though. It felt good also to have, I don't know, do you feel like doing the driving after having kind of been riding in the road was helpful at all? I found for my brain, since I had been sitting up front of the van so much, it was like less trippy to then be like on the scooter because I I just understood the flow of traffic better in my mind by the time we were on the scooter, you know Mm, what I mean? I guess so. It was I mean, like a visual primer I wasn't for how like, traffic flowed. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of paying attention to more like the honking, like mm. where beeps and stuff would take place, but mm-hmm. it's mostly just like looking out the window. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You're so lucky you can do that. I'll vomit if I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we popped down, we ended up on the East Coast. It was a lot drier there after being up in the wet mountain rainforest mm-hmm. vibe. Um... We rode along, we were both very hungry, so we checked into our hotel, and they wanted to go to Ahmed Beach, which I had heard was, like, a one of the more beautiful beaches on the East Coast. Um, we got some food, we had some more barracuda. More, yeah, I, I love barracuda now. Yeah. <laughs> um, this really amazing home-cooked meal at a warung somewhere in Ahmed Beach, and then we kind of walked around Ahmed which is like a scuba diving town, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like it's really big diving zone. And yeah. snorkeling as well. Yeah. Um, they do like night dives with like UV lights, that kind of thing. So there must be some very vibrant reef activity there. I can learn to scuba dive now. Yeah. I'm missing out on all the scuba diving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we also got a bunch of treats in Ahmed. Oh yeah. Remember? Did we did we even we take a picture a... of all of our treats? I did. I can oh, post okay. them on this album. Yeah. I, I took pictures of all the treats that we tried cuz it's fun to try. Did you have a favorite treat? Yeah, the piatos. Were which, which are was like that? they're just potato chips but they're kind of like thicker. They're like mm. potato thins and I got the sambal mata flavor. Oh. No, yeah. sambal something else. Some right, something else. Yeah, we'll, we'll I'll put the pictures up, but um we didn't get that in Ahmed. We got that when we were still in Pomodoron, but that was my favorite. Uh, snack and all. What post. about the little cassava balls I got you? Oh, those were really good too. I don't know if I took a picture of those. I, I can't remember what those are called. Yeah, they were like little, like almost like kicks. They were like teeny tiny kicks cereal pellets. pellets. <laughs> they were really yummy. Um, so we got some snacks, and then we just wanted to like kind of like sit in the AC, honestly. But the Wi-Fi was not great at that hotel, so I was like sitting up by the pool, in my uh, I'll post this picture because it's my favorite picture of myself the whole trip with my um airplane socks in front of the pool <laughs> my airplane socks and my tacos in front of the pool just living the life you know uh 
So then the next day, anything else happened in Ahmed? I guess we walked out to the beach at like sunset. Oh, we can't we can't not talk about the Viber spot. Like the first place oh. you went to eat, we like that? rolled up and it was like it was like all oh yeah all white people all like vibers with like with like micro braids yeah there's like a german lady with a fucking micro braids we were gonna eat there just because it was closest to our hotel but we both sat down and we're like we can't do this we gotta go we gotta come here (laughs) we gotta go i mean i think that where we where our hotel was which was just like 10 minutes from ahmed was like a little snorkeler enclave or scuba enclave or something Mm -hmm. like that um, there was that place that was offering like free a free scuba try. Oh yeah, like a f- fifteen minute. Yeah, lesson like you could get in their little like um, it's a little mini dive, their mini pool, and like see if you like it or not. Which is kind of you know what it kind of reminded me of was our vac bed sessions and mm-hmm. how we tell people that they get to do like that one minute at the beginning, and if they fucking hate it, they can they don't have to do their session. Yeah, because I think it's like almost a similar feeling. Um, scuba diving and being in the back bed it's this like compression on your system and like sensory deprivation and all of this um, so I kind of liked that that scuba place was doing that because like yeah what if you you go through the course you sign up for the course and you do like your first little thing underwater and you're like I hate this I, I'm claustrophobic <laughs> I don't want to do this you know what I mean and you're locked in or whatever um, but also they were probably just going to try to sell you like yeah. a, a scuba package after like, that but... I'd feel bad <laughs> taking it and you're like about, stuck yeah. in a timeshare situation <laughs> i just wanted to try it you said it was free <laughs> um yeah so that we didn't go to that viber place we went to this other like nice like local warren where we got the barracuda and we watched that family across the street those girls were like selling jewelry oh yeah and i think it was a gas station as well yeah just like watch some animals this like bali dog came over and begged for our barracuda and it was so cute Gave a picture of that too. Sorry, puppy. Sorry, puppy. Um, and then let's see. The next, uh, we went back. We saw some cows in a field. We you skipped some rocks at sunset. <laughs> Ahmed is known for this like place called like Sunset Beach or Sunset View or something. It's this restaurant that has like beanbag chairs where you can sit and watch the sunset. But it's it's the East Coast, you know. And sometimes yeah, you see like, like Northeast. You yeah. sometimes you see like cool sunset colors in the East, right? But, like, it's not yeah. generally, like, the place to see a sunset. So I thought it was interesting. And there wasn't really a profound, like, sunset, at least the night we were there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, may- maybe sometimes the clouds line up and it is Maybe it is cool some good, nights. But, yeah. yeah, it wasn't that amazing. No. <laughs> no, not really. The sand, the beach was made of, like, volcanic sand. Volcanic sand, so it was a black sand beach. Or black rock beach. Or, yeah. Or Definitely bigger than sand. <laughs> More coarse, yes, is the word. Yeah. And we saw fire as we were walking back to our hotel at one point. So we were like, let's go see what that is. And someone had a fire on the beach. And did we think that was maybe the same person we saw the next morning, you said? Oh, I don't know. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, um, there's someone having a fire on the beach. To me, it seemed like this was also the only time I think we see, we saw maybe an unhoused person when we were in Bali. Yeah, like the well, we could only walk speculate. up to the beach was like there was like kind of like a tarp shelter, yeah, set up. But yeah, not not a hundred percent sure. But. Which is you know, which is definitely like a you you know you go to a 
a so-called big scare quotes undeveloped country or underdeveloped or whatever other third world thing people say about places like Bali. And yet we live in a first world country where we walk 15 minutes downtown and there are people living in like deplorable conditions. Yeah. We didn't I mean, we don't see... even have to walk downtown no, our own neighborhood. Our own neighborhood. So, you know, I think it was like definitely something you notice, I guess, when you live in LA that we didn't see that. There's, yeah. There was nobody passed out on the street. There was nobody there like, were no... seemingly without a place to stay. Yeah. You know? Um, so just something of note, you know, um, something that we noted, I guess. Um, not to say we have the full picture of life in Bali in any way, you know what I mean? But you definitely notice it, especially when you're in the city, you know, mm-hmm. so like that tends to be like constant, that tends to be concentrated more in like urban areas, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess that would have been maybe, but maybe he was just camping. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe it's completely unrelated. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. Put that up because the sun was hot and just left it. Or... Yeah. They could have been fishing. I don't know. Um... We also saw those people making out. We were like, is this the makeout spot? Yeah, we thought we stumbled upon it. <laughs> As we were going It was through. their makeout spot. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Just teens. Teens Teens are going to find those hidden corners, you know? Yeah. To get it, do what needs to be done. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I... Like, uh... We... We were going to go to this munch in Dempasar, uh... For those who don't know, Munch is like a social meeting for kinksters. Um, just because I was really curious to see, like, oh, what's the scene like here and mm-hmm. all that. Um, but it ended up happening. We would have had to, like, skip a bunch of the stuff we wanted to see on a road trip, so we just nixed it. But, yeah, um, didn't really get a huge, like, insight into what, like, what sexuality or romantic life is mm-hmm. kind of like in Bali like mm-hmm. I was really curious to ask some of the people at the munch mm-hmm. um yeah what's it what's it like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I think I even I think I asked the person that was running it over whatsapp like oh are there any like kink stores or anything like that we should check out and mm-hmm. she was like not really there's like this lingerie shop <laughs> and she sent me a link to it and it was just kind of like kind of like like a strip like a strip mall love. like yeah. sex store mm-hmm. that you would find here mm-hmm. um so yeah that was interesting but there there is i guess some somewhat of a kink scene Do you seems think like it's, it's among... probably kind of small yeah yeah and i wonder how much of it is like so-called expats and oh i'm sure there's a yeah. bunch of expats yeah. but i mean the, t- the two people that run it are Balinese. Balinese women, yeah. but um, I feel like, and we also know, like, a fairly successful international pro-dom that's from Bali. Yeah. Um, Definitely more likely centered in Denpasar in South Bali. Yeah. Those scenes, like, organized scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to stumble, I wanted to find the, where's, where are the freaks hiding? I know, I know they're there somewhere. somewhere yeah, somewhere. <laughs> um, ah, uh, I'm looking through photos. 
so after the after beach. Ahmed, then we decided we want to go check out this Blue Lagoon. We had a couple other things we wanted to <coughs> do. Me. I guess there's more than a few things that we ended up nixing just because of time, yeah, finances. We were going to going to do another ATV place on the way down, but we decided we wanted to spend more time in the, in city. the city. Yeah, I think we were both kind of like ready to go to the city, and I'm really glad you suggested going to the city because like. Your mom had been like, oh, there's nothing in Denpasar. There's nothing to see there. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? How is there nothing to see there? Yeah. And like, I guess I, I guess I had taken that to heart and been like, oh, okay. I guess there's nothing to see there. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, I'm really, really glad that we went to Denpasar, Saminyak, Changgu, all those areas that we ended up hitting. Because I feel like I got a much better, um, I guess, scope like every not, like obviously not everything Bali had to offer but like see you yeah spending a bunch of time in a really rural area yeah real areas and then spending time in the city which we only scratched the surface of it's only really important the like, that's where the majority of the people live there right um so yeah we decided we were gonna start heading that way we knew there was this blue lagoon beach that i had seen on tiktok and i showed it to temba and he was like we're going there so we went there <laughs> Um, we had to drive through this really touristy zone. Uh, yeah, it was in, uh, in, I can't remember the name of the city, uh, but... Was it Boog Boog? It's where the, like, it's where the ferries to, um, the Gili Islands take off from. Yeah. I don't know if it's Boog Boog or something else. So, yeah, tons of, like, Euro tourists coming in and out. And then just, I think the most aggressive, um, tourism guides and people that we experienced yeah, like, the he, whole time every time we're like do you taxi come here no and don't then do this. anywhere we parked was like you can't park there park over there and we parked over there you can't park there park over there but it was really just a tactic to like get our attention i think yeah uh i don't think there was any parking enforcement anywhere no <laughs> so, no i don't um, think we saw a single tow truck no um but yeah, we, we stopped there and we got a sandwich so we'd have, like, something to eat down at the beach and then decided to get out of there and go to the lagoon. Yeah, and Saring, my brother, actually told me the other day was talking, he went to the Gilly, uh, did he? to one of the islands. Did yeah. he start from there or did he start from somewhere else? Uh, I didn't ask. Oh. So, did he like it? Yeah, he said it was cool. It, it was, like, right out. They went, apparently, right after they had some really big earthquakes. So oh. tourism was, like... Down. Yeah, n- no. very, very down uh-huh. when they went. But, um, yeah, he said it was one of his favorite places. He said it was yeah. really Sounds beautiful. Nice. Um, but Blue Lagoon was really nice. Blue Lagoon um, was really pretty. Warm uh, water, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, A bunch of mud skippers all over the rocks, which was really yeah, weird. Yeah. They were, like, the jumping crabbies. fish and crabs <laughs> and... There was really only, like, a narrow channel that you could swim in. Otherwise, you would unless get, Unless you like, went way out. Unless you... Was, oh, sorry. It was pretty wavy, too. Like, yeah. the, the current was pretty strong. The waves were pretty, like, strong. There was a really gigantic rock, like, right at the beach there. Yeah, so you'd get, like... I got, like, dragged across the rock. And I was, at this point, severely sunburned. And my skin was, like, peeling off in, like, a big way. And then I got, like, scraped across the <laughs> rock. Because I miscalculated where my body was in space as per usual and uh yeah but I was also like I was enjoying the beach but like two things were happening that were making it like less relaxing than I was hoping it would be one of them was there was a monkey up on the cliff that was just going about its monkey business and these big rocks were falling off the cliff very close to these two women who were sitting on the beach (laughs) they seemed nonplussed by it 
Yeah. They were like, well, we're under a ledge. It's not going to hurt us or whatever. But, like, it was like, I hope they don't, a rock doesn't land on my head. And then the other thing was this, like, dude who was fine, but, like, this, like, guy from L.A. Yeah, that was, like, the only time we encountered another American. (laughs) Um, And he was just trying to, like, you know, say hi and uh, make friends or whatever. But he was also saying some, like, bullshit about homeless people and Portland being a problem. Well, I mean, it's just, if if you're familiar with the type of stereotypical Orange County person, like, grew up in a rich beach town, like... And he's a firefighter now. Like, sometimes firefighters can be cool, but sometimes they're just, like, cop-adjacent personalities. I don't know. And then he was just, like, acting weird. We were in the water, and he was, like, just like he was like looking around the beach like he had lost something but it went on for so long it was making me really paranoid that he was gonna start like picking through our stuff you know because like the way he was acting was just weird it was just i think he was just doing him but like i don't know i think the like comments he made make, made me feel really suspicious of him the only time i really felt like suspicious or like uh paranoid the whole trip was with this like californian dude being weird and acting weird you know <laughs> So it kind of, like, took me out of the moment there. He was honestly just trying to be friendly. I yeah. just, like, didn't like his vibe. <clears throat> he just assumed we were his people. I know. No. Like, we uh, yeah. Uh, something was off. Um, but it was a beautiful beach. And we decided to then what well, what does my photo album tell me we decided to after head that, to Denpasar we, after that we rocketed straight down to Denpasar yeah because we had a place uh reserved for that night we we had learned after the first night to just like wake up and we, reserve our hotel room for the the, yeah. the coming night so that we knew where we were going and that we'd have a place to throw our stuff um and I liked this new spot yeah Denpasar was interesting so yeah. busy like oh wait we forgot that we went to the um the, gar- the textile place on the way oh yeah so my yeah my mom and her partner recommended um this like textile market um because we wanted you were interested in getting some like silk batik yeah. right yeah i was um, trying to find silk batik silk sarong and i want to get a uh what i forgot what it's called sarong um so yeah we we're like all the, many of the places in Ubud were just like ultra touristy so we're like yeah no let's go let's go where fucking Bolivians well I we had gone to this place in Ubud that I really liked but it was out of my price range like they were really gorgeous high quality silk sarongs and textiles with really beautiful prints hand applied batik not block print batik but they were like in the like 50 to 80 dollar range and I just wasn't ready to spend that money on something I was probably not gonna like wear really that often you know so i asked your mom where we could find something like that and she suggested this place which was now i can't remember what it's called kung 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 it's like a city and then mm. there's a market textile market there it was i mean it wasn't just a textile market it was a, it was a big market. market it was a bazaar <laughs> it was like what you think of when you go to like a swap meet in la it was pretty similar setup to that yeah there's a bunch of vendors selling very similar things in small stalls like and very big very big, very twisted. Uh, yeah, when we first got there, we were like, we're not seeing any fabric anywhere. It was like a lot and of And it like... was the heat of the day. We were both pretty, like, I don't know about you, but I was wiped. You had been scootering, too. Yeah. Which is 
energy depleting, right? It zaps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the middle of the day. I was also very dehydrated at this point in the trip. Do you remember? Uh-huh. And I was starting to get my headache. Um, but we got in there and we finally found the textile zone. You found what you wanted. Yeah. Got a sarong. You got a sarong in the like traditional kind of like, it's almost like a lumberjack print. It's like a checker. Yeah. Uh, checkered. Is that what that yeah. would be called? But like black and like fuchsia? Yeah, fuchsia. Which with like at the bottom they usually have like some kind of like embellishment. I think it's mine has like a gold embroidery or something. I'm not sure exactly. I didn't even see what you there. got. Oh. Maybe we should pull it out and take a picture. <laughs> I haven't seen it. We could put it in the album. Now. I wonder if I even remember how to tie it. He showed me how to tie it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what the internet's for. They'll tell me how to do it. <laughs> and I I looked at some stuff, but nothing was like yeah, nothing was like quite the quality that I wanted of silk, and like the edges were like frayed on some of them. It just wasn't quite what I was looking for. Um, and or I was looking for like a silk dress or something like that, but nothing was quite hitting the mark for me. So we took off from there. You got your sarong, and mm-hmm. then we headed into Dampasar. Um Got to our That's where we encountered the super roundabouts. Oh, right. right. All the roundabouts before that were, like, relatively small. But, yeah, Dempozar had some, like, big, or I can't remember if it was in or just, like, on the outside, had some really big, intense roundabouts. Yeah. Yeah, the logic of them was, like, I mean, I guess there were lights, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's when we definitely started hitting more, like, traffic lights. The ones with the traffic lights weren't so bad because it was, like... When our side's going, you just kind of go. It was like, there were, I can't remember where exactly we hit, like, the bi- same size ones, but there was no traffic light, so it was just like, everyone was just going. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so we got to our new spot, and we were hungry as usual. Um, did we, what did we eat that morning? remember before we no left? clue <laughs> i'm just trying to think of like our food diary and some of the stuff that we had um that's okay we can't oh we i mean i guess we had sandwiches at the beach mm-hmm. um and let's see i don't know why but i wanted sushi oh because we had seen that all you can eat sushi place but then it like wasn't actually open wasn't or something, open, there was yeah. something like that so then i had a craving for sushi and i found a place pretty close to us it was a short walk but walking where we were in denpasar was not yeah, the, not the mood. There was not no super sidewalk. pedestrian fit friendly. Like we were in like downtown Denver. I re looked at the map, and that's yeah, basically where that's we, where we were. were. Oh, okay, like essentially, it was an interesting neighborhood because yeah. when we went on a little walk, we were like went by like the Indian consulate. Yeah, well, there was an I can't uh, remember where. The, the, we went, I don't remember. A couple other countries like their like consulate were all. It was like consulate this, row, like big main road, and it was very like, it was very like rich feeling i guess it had like a like big houses like seemed like single family like mansions kind of like they did not look kind of like the compounds we'd been seeing like family compounds we'd been seeing other places so we went and got sushi which actually took forever to get to because we had to cross like a (laughs) four-lane road with like no clear no crosswalks no clear indicator of like how to there was no yeah you just kind of had to like frogger your way through and it was really scary we did it though (laughs) and we went to this very like tiktok instagrammable sushi place and with like the biggest sushi menu we've ever seen in our it lives it was intense it was like what like 40 pages it 50? was huge it was huge and it was very just like 
It seemed like their specialty was like foie gras. A lot of foie gras. Well, things. Foie gras. Foie gras. <laughs> foie gras, which I did get. Don't your hate first me time, for it. right? Yeah, I don't it. think. Well, I don't think if I was doing foie gras, I would do it with like fish for the first time because the fish kind of overpowers yeah. foie gras, you know. But it had like a grassy, like metallic flavor. I would say. Mm. Um, but again, just, it was with salmon, so it's like it was hard to like. Yeah, it was like suss and the two a tiny little out. dollop of foie yeah. gras, mostly yeah. salmon. Yeah, and I don't think I'm, like, out here trying to eat foie gras all the time. Like, that is pretty fucking cruel, um, you know? But I had the opportunity to eat it, and I, yeah. Um, And, yeah, so we got, like, a, had a nice little dinner, and then we walked around the neighborhood, and we came upon this um, monument to the people of Bali, which was, like, this giant lit-up monument, I guess. Hard to describe. I guess we'll put a picture in the thing. But, yeah, yeah, it's big kind of ta- like a Hershey kiss shaped thing. <laughs> it's like towery, but like wide base. And like, seemed like you could maybe go in. You, like, it's, it's been closed down is what I read, oh. but it used to be, you used to be able to go in and walk around. Oh, okay. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'd like to go during the day so you could check it out. But basically actually. inside is a bunch, I, I was reading about it the other day and basically inside is like a lot of history of the resilience of Balinese pe- people, like mm. fighting against their oppressors and stuff like that. Um, different different conflicts that they've risen up against the Dutch, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some kind of concert going on. We like peeked through the oh, fence, yeah. but we couldn't tell what it was exactly. It was like a night market concert thing. Some kind of yeah, some kind of bands, stage lights. Yeah, we wandered around. We were always in search of water. I knew that I needed a big water because I was hitting dehydration. And, like, <laughs> what I learned is, like, I can't do that kind of heat and humidity with a tiny refillable bottle of water. I need the psychological... Um, I need the psychological belief that I have immense amounts of water if I'm going to drink immense amounts of water. When I had the tiny bottle of water, I had scarcity mindset. I'd be, like, <laughs> taking teeny tiny sips, like, afraid to empty the bottle, even though I could have just refilled it at our hotel, but... Figured that out. I was really struggling for those two days with, like, dehydration. And then more Bali Belly, which was getting pretty gnarly. Oh. And the toilet at that hotel, you couldn't flush toilet paper down. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Um, which is, like, rough when you're... Uh, shitting piss. Pooping a lot. Shitting piss, basically. Yeah, but there's a shower right there. I know, Just which is what I... and then take a shower and which wash is what your butt. I, which is what I did. <laughs> Where I didn't need to tell everybody that, but oh. that's what I did. Well, you followed. <laughs> I did. I did. I just said it was rough because there was a you couldn't flush toilet paper. Um, but that's what I was doing. Yeah, most I know. Of the trip. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing. I mean, you looked up like what the protocol is for using the bidets that are present in every bathroom. Do you want to talk about what you learned? Well, there's a wide range of. First toilet. of all, why is there the bidet? What do you mean? Like, why is bidet so prevalent in Bali? Well, I didn't see... I only saw one bidet. Or whatever the shower nozzle is. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I saw one bidet in my mom's room at, at the resort. There was a bidet in our first homestay. There was? Yeah. It wasn't a shower, it was a bidet. I didn't use it. Yeah. No, bidet is like that separate bowl thing that shoots water up your butt. It's like a s- extra toilet. Uh, 
I think like bidet has come to be known as like the attachment oh. that's put in the toilet well, as well. Yeah, there's a lot have... of the attachments, but not all. I didn't see a not whole lot the of... hose, but the one that's actually yeah. in your toilet bowl. And like this up. is a bidet. Yeah, but um, bidet has also been come to know as like the tushy is a bidet. Uh, tushy is like an attachment. Bidet attachment. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. My brain bidet is like the separate unit, but yeah. So. There's a few different styles. So there's probably most commonly was like a toilet with like a little hose, kind of like, you know, your kitchen sink, if you have that little hose thing in the kitchen. The rinse hose. Yeah. One of those things. Um, yeah. Like a big then long one. There's, then there was what things with like the bidet attachment toilet seat type thing where it uh, shoots water in your butt. Um, and then there's, uh, the bucket um so it'll be a toilet and a bucket of water with like a little scooper thing i guess some of them don't have a scooper too um uh and then there's also like the squat toilet which, like which there was on the the in java right in java on the ferry and i had to pee really bad but um i was also on my period <laughs> so i had like a dangling tampon string to contend with and those who haven't ever dealt with a tampon, uh, it's very upsetting when you like pee on the tampon string because mm. it's like a wick. Then it fills your tampon with piss. Oh no! Essentially, so it's like you have to get rid of it. You have to take it out, uh, or you have to fight, or you have to like pull it, pull it back towards your butthole so that because your urethra will be in front of it that mm -hmm. way. So you're pissing without the, the piss getting on the tampon string, which means if I was to squat, I would have to have one hand under pulling up, the other hand making sure all of my clothing wasn't following falling in the like pool of piss that was everywhere. Oh no. <laughs> I really was like, you know, so I went in there and the people coming out of the bathroom were in like, you know, mo modest clothing, like mm -hmm. many layers, long sleeves, long skirts and and such. And I was actually just like, marveling at like the dexterity it would take to like squat while holding all that clothing up you know what i mean because i yeah. i just gave up i was like there's no way i can do this without becoming soaked in piss in one way or another so i'm gonna just wait and then i didn't go pee till we got to base camp but anyway yeah, i didn't try the squat toilet i actually no wait uh no i lied i did try the squat toilet in java at the ferry station uh, okay. when our driver brought us and I was like asking your mom and I was like I was like what do you do and she was like I take off everything everything she was <laughs> like I take off all my clothing or my pants at least that's the only way I can do this mm. I'm like well that makes sense because like pissing in the woods can even be kind of difficult like you're not squatting squatting but you're like it's just hard I've just always hated that kind of thing like mm. it's never been easy takes a lot of calf, uh, a lot of quad strength, you know? Get them squats going. Yeah, but it's not easy when you have to, like, balance holding your clothing up, holding a tampon, and then figure out a way to wipe with yeah. your third hand. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Or, in the case of those toilets, there was no paper. I only had toilet paper because you encouraged me to bring it. Because I had a, I was having stomach issues that morning, and I was like really scared. It's like you're, you're gonna want this. You're gonna, <laughs> and you were so right for that. Um, anyway, squat squat toilet is one of the other things. But I mean, the the main reason that it exists is it's a an Islamic, um, religious tradition. Am I right? 
Oh, I don't... I think squat toilets are Not pretty... squat toilets, but the bidet, the washing. Oh, uh... Should we look it up? Yeah, I, I don't know if I could accurately say, yeah, what. I think most... Is it, hin- is it Hindu as well? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's just, like, that part of the world. Like, mo- I think most non... Even, isn't that more common in Europe as well? I think most places outside of the U.S., like... Mm. Oh, and I was going to say one of the other things that I encountered was the, like, dumping water in the toilet. Sometimes the bucket is there for that, too. Yeah. To flush. Like, it won't flush unless you dump water in, right? I encountered that at the bathroom at base camp in Java. Um, overall, uh, bath- the bathroom experience was not that not that difficult there was toilet paper in most places and i guess i just wasn't ready to explore the custom of washing with water at any point on the trip you said i had to use the hose one time (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah after the i think it was like after the sambal restaurant they had a, a bunch of spice varied and new spice things like the next morning yeah we were getting breakfast and i was like i have to do it (laughs) <laughs> yeah and yeah it was it was was it at that coffee shop it was at the coffee shop yeah. it was an experience yeah it was just like a hose there no toilet paper so it was i was like we're doing this i guess yeah i'm not yeah it's not i wasn't really sure like how to do it i was like i can't really reach it if i'm sitting down and i was like if I stand up, it seems like I'm going to drip water all down my legs. And, mm-hmm. like, so it's, like, I compromised on, like, half squatting over the toilet and then spraying. I'm, like, I don't... Am I spraying this everywhere? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that is, like, the feeling it leaves me with is that it's, like, it's, atomizing shit. It kind of seems like like most bathrooms did have, like, an, an air of, like, feeling. A human anal gland oil. <laughs> oh... Uh, yeah. So, uh, especially, yeah, ones with the spray hose, to me, mm-hmm. was something I noticed. But, yeah, I I spray hosed, and there were paper towels for, like, drying your hands, so I, like, kind of dried off with that. Uh-huh. But... Yeah, that's the part I don't understand, is, like, how are you supposed to dry off afterwards? Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to, like, put my underwear on with, like, a dripping wet button pussy you know i'm not sure yeah it's i mean definitely an interesting like cultural adjustment like i feel like most of the time i was able to like just shower right after because i i'm fairly regular with when i wake up so i like have the Uh advantage of like being near a shower most of the time so Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah, it's interesting. I think I even, like, Googled it, like, later, like... You did. You showed me the, like, blog post where you were, like, yeah. going down, like, the... <laughs> of different, yeah, people's techniques or how to do it. Because I was like, yeah, I don't know if I did that right. And I don't want to, like... If I have to do it again, I don't want to, like, fuck up a bathroom for the next person. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess we didn't have to do the the full bucket thing. Like, my brother told me he had to do that, where it's, like you wash your ass with the water in the bucket. So that's why um, 
in Muslim countries, Indonesia is predominantly Muslim. Like you don't, you shake with your right, not the left. You eat with your right, not the left, because the left you wash your ass with. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you have to take the water, like scoop some water with a small bucket, put in your hand, wash your ass, rinse it. And then, yeah, sometimes you do have to take some of the water to flush the toilet. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, a very foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I def- I do understand that it's like a clean, cleaner butthole, you know? Yeah. Washing with water. But you're still atomizing shit everywhere. Yeah, I guess what's the trade-off, you know? I it's mean, like less mud butt. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the sprayer. I'm not sure about the sprayer. Less paper waste. Less paper waste. Unless you're using the paper to dry your butt, like I did. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I think, I haven't, I haven't gone into it too deep. I think that's one of the uh, stated ad, ad advantages of, like, the squatty potty or, like, stool style things. Because yeah. you can get, like, a squat style position um, where, um, I guess you can get, like, a cleaner turd. wipe free poops mm-hmm. kind of because i know when i was working in wilderness like uh that's what we would do you'd dig a cat hole and you'd squat over it and you'd sh- shit in the hole in the ground right and that was definitely like more like you wouldn't have to wipe as much as much like yeah or yeah or at all i mean i still did like a safety kind of to like am i gonna be like dirtying up my underwear in a minute but Mm -hmm. uh yeah when you're like squatting i forget there's you can look it up there's like a a science to like what it does to your body it like actually helps to like open up your pelvis and open up your uh rectum as well i believe like you know when you watch animals poop like cats dogs they all kind of like squat Mm -hmm. (laughs) in their own four-legged way but i don't know we digress i don't think we need to go (laughs) too much into a shitting podcast <laughs> i mean anyhow it is a it is a dimension of experience that like i don't it wasn't it didn't affect me that much but it's definitely something you there there were a few moments where when, like, yeah adjustments you, you see it and you're like made. oh wait okay <laughs> yeah 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 um like i did have pretty bad digestive issues towards the end of the trip and then it was like a little more like oh this is like i can't put the toilet paper in the toilet and that's like affecting me or whatever mm. Um, let's see. Then we headed the next day to Seminyak. Actually, I remember I woke up, like, first of all, can we talk about how I woke up, like, terrified because all my skin had fallen off overnight and I felt so bad in the hotel room. Oh, you mean your, your sunburn. My sunburn. It was fine. I dusted it all off for you. It was terrible. I felt so bad. I just didn't want to, like, leave housekeeping with, like, a pile of my skin. It was embarrassing. But we left, we headed to our next hotel, which was in... Semenyak. Semenyak. Um, and... That was, like, a little more of, like, a t- kind of, like, stereotypical tourist touristy beach town. It was, like, venice Yeah, I'd say venice like that. There was a lot of shops, um, a lot of... There's some little nightlife places, some clubs, some bars... We dropped our stuff off. We had a little while before we uh, could, like, officially check in. So we walked around the neighborhood. Uh, we found a little Irish pub where you got a Guinness. I got a Guinness. Yes, finally I got 
a, a little beer variety. That was great. And uh, we played some pool. And then we talked about going down to the southern tip of Denpasar, which is like... Uh, I guess it's like well known for like one one the east side is well known for like where celebrities go when they go to Bali. It's like an enclave, like a gated enclave over there, like a gated community for rich people. And then we went to the other side to watch the sunset. Um, also surfing. Also surfing, surfing. It's place. well known for and very beautiful beaches. So we ended up going to Uluwatu, um, which kind of picked a restaurant that had like a sunset view and we were trying to get our dinner and see the sunset <laughs> driving there ended up being a whole ordeal yeah. much more intense than we had planned for it's not very far but so 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 busy so i think congested. we spent most of the time One, like an hour and a half driving on the side of the road than actually on the road yeah um it was really intense it was very you mean you were lane splitting the whole time, but like on the side of the road, like you said, on the shoulder, yeah. shoulder splitting, I don't know what you call it. Um, and just like moving at a snail's pace, uh, your legs must have been very tired. Yeah, it's a lot to like ride two up because you're like, you're not just holding your weight, the bike's weight, but a whole nother person as well. So it, especially like for me, I haven't had a motorcycle in a while, so it's not like my, it's like my muscles aren't used to doing it mm. so yeah it was a lot of that start stop really slow driving like where was wearing on me after a while yeah. i was starting yeah. to get grumpy yeah and we hadn't eaten and all this so eventually we got there it was a really interesting drive of course you were focused on driving i was passenger princessing <laughs> But we did get there, and the area we ended up in was, like, kind of like Malibu, but, like, Malibu, if it was, like, bigger, like, more shops yeah. and stuff. It's, like, Bali's version of Malibu. Yeah, very, like, uh, definitely a little expat zone yeah, or whatever. Very bougie. All, I think that restaurant was mostly tourists. There were some people that were probably Indonesian in there, but, yeah. Mostly Euro white. By far, people, yeah. yeah. Um, we did get there in time for the sunset. Uh, we tried to like sit on these chairs and they were like, you have to spend a minimum of like 250,000, 250,000 each if you want to sit there. Sun was right about to set and we were like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. <laughs> and then we were, watched the sunset. We watched we... the sunset and then we went inside to eat an air conditioning. <laughs> um, sorry to, sorry to that server that we said we were going to stay there, but it was just literally like two minutes before the sun like completely set. Really beautiful sunset. Yeah, it was a great sunset. But also really a scene. like Huge. Yeah, it was like a day day club, pool club Clearly vibe. people had been like camped out there for their sunset yeah. spot. Like I think if you want to watch the sunset there, you probably show up at like 2 p.m. or something. Yeah, you know? all those, all the seating that was like near the edge was like, you weren't, you weren't finding a spot. Yeah. It was packed. <laughs> um, I'd also worn my little like going out dress it seemed like the only opportunity we were gonna have to have like a little moment um a little like mommy daddy date moment kind of a thing so we went upstairs we got our food the sun was set and then we decided to walk down and see some of the beach the walk down to the beach was really interesting this whole like beach build out felt like buildings just kind of stacked on top of other buildings on top of like building projects in progress on top of like 
ramshackle buildings that were no longer being used. Like, it was just very, like, how would you describe that? I don't know. <laughs> it was it was really it was, interesting. Yeah, it was interesting to see. It was very, like, uh, Wild Westy, or that's, like, clearly it wasn't Wild West, but, like, just very, like, um, I don't know in progress or something in a way that like really excited me we found this little we went down to the beach and we saw this kind of little like iconic um uluwatu beach is what it's called um this iconic little like like cliffs on two sides and a really narrow little channel out to the yeah water i think the tide was coming in but it smelled like pee pee so we didn't spend that much time yeah it smelled like a big definitely seemed like a lot of people had pissed on the beach (laughs) it was really (laughs) pissy smelling so then we went back up but we found this cool little like crow's nest kind of which didn't seem to belong to any restaurant or club or anything there it was just like by itself this weird little like tile castle crow's nest thing that we went up in in between two like club 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 thub thub clubs how would you describe i guess they were they were like deck clubs deck techno clubs <laughs> or whatever i think uluwatu is really known for this like dj te- well Probably Den Pissar in general is known for this, like, house, club, techno, music scene, right? It's what I got from, like, there's mm. a lot of posters and, like, flyers and stuff. Whereas Ubud is known for, like, yoga retreats and, like, healing stuff. Yeah. Den Pissar is, like, club More of a party, party. scene. Um, so we went up into this little crow's nest, uh, and there was, like, a DJ, like, trying out some new material on the deck below, which, do you remember... It was great. <laughs> it was great. It was, like, sort of working, but sort of not. It was, like, off-season, so I was like, you go, like, try it out. He was making some very interesting <laughs> choices. Um, but that was cute, and I have a cute picture of us sitting up there being cute together. We're cute, and we're acting cute. Then was this the night when we went back? We we went to some of the bars around the beach mm-hmm. there? Yeah, we made our way back. It, it wasn't as bad going back. You got, like, a good, like, cutty. yeah route back on google maps and we stopped for cinnamon rolls we did this isn't in our cinnamon roll compilation that i made for tiktok oh yeah because we forgot we forgot to do this uh cinnamon tembo was doing this we wanted to do a cinnamon roll review i don't think we got like all of the cinnamon no. <laughs> but i had noticed on our like hell ride drive out there like a cinnamon roll place and i managed to like track it down on our way back or like saw it as we were going by it was called, like, roti roll or something like that. And it was a very doughy, sweet, but they also had savory cinnamon roll place. I think we got, like, four cinnamon rolls for $4 or something. Yeah. It was weird. We didn't get any of the savory ones, though. I no. thought that was interesting, but we weren't not really. that interested in trying a savory cinnamon. Not really. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess you didn't do your review, but what did you think of those? Um, I'm trying to remember now. They were very they were, doughy. They were, they were all right. They were better the next day when they were, like, a day old. Yeah. And cold, I thought. Yeah. They were, like, a little too, like, doughy, like, soft. Underbaked. Too soft. Kind of, yeah. I need, like, a little more texture with my cinnamon roll. Um, we went back to Siminyak, we put our cinnamon rolls in the fridge, and then we went out to um, a couple gay bars that we had seen. Yeah. I think this was the first time we saw any gay bars. Yeah. That, that I'm aware of, yeah. Um... And it was a very, like, touristy scene. Like, people were outside trying to get you to come in to the yeah. bar or whatever. Um, the first one was a cabaret. 
So I was convinced there wasn't actually going to be any performances, <laughs> that they were just getting people in by saying that. But eventually a performer did come out, and I thought they were really talented. They were in... Yeah. Th- uh, presumably they were in drag, and they were live singing We Are the Champions by Queen, and they were really good. I was really sad, like, the crowd was so, like, deadpan for them. Yeah, there was this one fucking guy <laughs> that was just, like, standing up, like, not quite front and center, but very much close to it. And just, like, turned around. Back to the performer. <laughs> like, halfway just, through like, their thing. Just in the couldn't be bothered by it. Was, it. <laughs> it was I just felt... like, dog, you... if you're going to do that, don't stand up in the front. Like, go to the back yeah. by the bar. Like, <laughs> And there didn't seem to be, like, a tipping culture either. People weren't, like, holding ones in the air or anything like that. Yeah, like, very different than what we experience here. Yeah. So we saw that, and then we decided to go down to the next one. Um... Club X, I want to say. And remember, I saw on the outside of the building that, like, if you get the club, no, Club G, if you get the Club G tattoo, you have a lifetime 20% off. Yeah. So there's some kind of cross promotion where, like, if you get the club's logo tattooed on you, it's like a a lifelong discount or something. They had just opened, like, a week before that. Yeah, it seemed like a new space. It was brand new. But we went in there and. It's definitely a different scene, less like a, like, gay bar, more like just kind of a mix of tourists. There were a couple, like, older ladies who were, like, drinking their Diet Coke and, like, living (laughs) their best life. Um, I feel like we were also there pretty early, though, too. Like, I feel like everyone we talked to said, like, going out there starts at, like, midnight. Yeah, I believe Or, like, one. So, yeah, we were, like, early, early. 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 (laughs) Um... We saw a couple of drag performers. There's some go-go dancers, but it was like a lot going on, which was nice. There was like a lot more performances happening and like yeah. lasers shooting into our eyes and stuff like that. One thing about me is I love lasers. He loves lasers. Um, and then we must have headed home. And let's see, the next day you were gonna get a tattoo. Yes. Um, or did we walk? We walked down <clears throat> by the beach a little bit. It was like remember. We went down to the beach that night as well. Oh, yeah. After the clubs. Um, but the next morning, you had a tattoo, so you were going to get up early. I was going to go get a... Um, I wanted a head massage just because I'd been, like, battling a, a headache for two days um, when I was feeling... When I was dehydrated. So I wanted a head massage and a foot massage, and you were getting your tattoo. Yeah. Tattoo went a little longer than I th- thought. Apparently, <laughs> there was a problem with, like, the... Tran- What's it called? A transfer? The stencil. Stencil. Uh, the stencil machine was not making, well, not printing out in the right, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it, it wasn't coming out in a way that was going to make it work. So yeah. it had to be hand drawn on me. So it was there for like three times as much time as, <laughs> I think the, the hand drawing was twice as long as the actual tattooing yeah. part. <laughs> What made you choose this artist and the inspiration behind your tattoo? Uh, I choose this, chose this artist because uh, someone I started following on Instagram, I don't know, a year? Maybe not a year, maybe like half a year or something ago. Uh, but he does, uh, he's an <clears throat> Indonesian artist, but he specializes in like Indonesian tribal, I guess, like drawing from... Uh, weaving patterns and carving. So that to me was particularly interesting um, since I'm a woodworker, I guess you could say. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of really beautiful stone and wood carving all throughout Indonesia and especially Bali. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what 
uh, was what attracted me to this person's style. Um, but yeah, it was longer than I thought, what but was, I'm we're, happy with it. We're not going to uh, post a picture of your tattoo, no. but what, there was like a meaning behind some of the symbols, wasn't there? Or the uh, shapes? Yeah, I don't know if I want to get into my personal... Okay. <laughs> uh, and then you moved on to Chenggu since my thing was taking so long, right? Yeah, I had an eat, pray, I had my eat, pray, love day yeah. while you were getting your tattoo because it took a lot longer than we thought it would. So I went and got a head massage and a foot massage, which was okay. Um, it was my first or I guess like I think body work is like a really big draw tourist draw and it seemed like especially in Seminyak it was like every other shop was like a massage shop where people were like vocally entreating you to come get a massage yeah um it's a very uh seems like a big industry there in general um but I found this one that had like good reviews and I, I went there and the foot massage was like uh okay i guess i kind of came to understand that the person who it was like a happy hour special i feel embarrassed to say this but like it was like a happy hour uh special because i was being like cheaper than cheap i guess and wanted to go during happy hour um but the head massage was really nice and i needed it and it was very relaxing and then um i did decide to go check into our next hotel because we decided to get like a little splurgy hotel on our last day which like in bali for us at least like i think the most we had spent on a hotel prior to that night was like 40 dollars a mm -hmm. night and this one was 120 dollars us and it was a four-star resort and well like, it was a hotel it was a resort i guess it was yeah a hotel four-star hotel um and which is like comparable to getting like I know, didn't you say, like, the hotel that we went to and, like... Yeah, just, like, I don't know. Bakersfield was, like, $120. Yeah. You can go to, like, a hotel in, like, a mid-sized town in America for that amount. But this one was, like, I don't know, a very, to me, a very luxurious experience. They, like, welcome you with a drink, with a coffee. You get, like free breakfast uh free massage in the room it was like very like i don't know things that i'm not used to experiencing <laughs> at all um that i've never like been able to afford but like getting there and kind of just like hanging out while waiting for temba i was trying to like enjoy it but i was also kind of like feeling a lot of like weird feelings about it you know yeah um not because not because of anything in particular i experienced except just like I don't know is it just guilt is it just like grappling with like guilt of like why i'm able to afford that situation um which like i, I can't or maybe i wouldn't choose to like spend my money on here but mm -hmm. i choose to spend my money on there you know like i guess we can kind of like talk a little bit maybe more about like the the nuance of those feelings i don't remember if we touched on that in the last episode uh i don't i'm not sure i don't think so yeah do you want to get into that um because we're getting close on time um well if we don't get into it no i think I'll... we should just like let's be aware because yeah you have to go somewhere and i have to i don't have to go anywhere i have a meeting in 45 uh, minutes oh okay um and you have to be leave the house in 45 minutes, but... And shower and get dressed. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, 
the biggest like takeaway for me at that point in the trip, which was our last uh, our last full non travel day, yeah, was spent in Changu, and Changu is this like it's this area that has been like heavily gentrified by European Westerners, right? Um, and is I don't know, you walk around, you look around, and it's all the, like, creature comforts that we're used to here, Mm -hmm. you know, in America. And it's, like, very heavily catered to this American or Western or whatever you want to call it um, lifestyle and gaze and fantasy of luxury, you know? And I think, like, getting to the resort and, like, kind of feeling my fantasy of that luxury, there's, like... I just felt like I was really of, like, two minds of, like, wanting to enjoy it because this isn't, like, the life that I'm normally living back home, but also just feeling like this is so fucked up that I feel, like, entitled to this luxury when it ultimately always happens on, like, the backs of people who will never experience it, that kind of, like, luxury in any circumstance, you know? But do you feel entitled to it? I don't, I mean... In my talking with you, I wouldn't describe you as feeling entitled to it. There's this part of me that, like, want... It's, like, I don't know how to describe it, except there is, like, a small, like, part of me that feels aspirational towards living a good life. hmm You know what I mean? Towards living a life that's, like, free of the burdens of, like, the, the income bracket that we live in here. You yeah. know what I mean? That's free of the, like, worries that that does get to, like, indulge in uh, small luxuries, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I just, I have, you know, here we might be living as, like, low-income residents, but there yeah. we're able to, this is, like, the trope that's always spoken about in Bali. You can live like a king there. Yeah. On, like, not very much money. I mean, I guess maybe I'm, it's just semantics, but I feel like there's a difference between feeling entitled to something and uh, and wanting to experience something yeah does that make sense i guess and i mean it's like i wouldn't say you like came in and you were like oh i need this i like you were gonna give me this well and that's why i say i just i feel like a a guilt and maybe it's just Uh. like a white guilt thing that's like for me to grapple with you know what i mean of like knowing that my luxury comes at the subjugation of people poorer than me, browner than me, from, like, less advantageous positions than me. Like, that just makes me feel... I can't fully enjoy the luxury knowing that that's, like... Even even when our drivers are like, no, you know, tourism is great. It's improved all of our lives. It's, like, the way that I feel about that is true. Like, it shouldn't be because me, the white savior, comes in and gives you my tourism money that your life is better. Like, that's what fucks me up. It's, like, your life should have never been, like, the West should not have done the fucked up colonial things that we did to make life there so, like, necessitate people coming in with their money. That's what gets me, and that's what makes me feel like I can't really justify my tourism being this wonderful lifesaver when, like, shit should have never been so fucked up to begin with yeah the culture should have remained intact colonialism shouldn't have come in and displaced people and continue to displace people like in Chenggu you were reading about how it used to be just like rice fields and like this beautiful yeah it was like natural a a video that I saw was like a uh side-by-side video of like 
driving down this road in Chenggu. Mm-hmm. I think we went down it. I and felt it was like, like it, right? It was these rice uh, paddies. Yeah, one where it was just like rice fields on either side, and then I think that it was it was not that long ago. It was like ten years early in the twenty aughts. Oh, does that make sense? Like it was like yeah, it was like two thousand ten or something like that. Yeah, and then the because aughts. of t- tourism, like there's so many like tourist trap shops and co- cafes and stuff like that but it was like no more rice fields they're just all shops mm-hmm. um because like and, we spoke about in the last episode yeah tourism is maybe like a less labor intensive you know means of means of subsistence or whatever yeah and maybe income. it brings in more money um but kind of like i can't remember if it was made or yo-yo that was telling us like uh, Bali doesn't grow enough rice mm-hmm. to feed itself anymore, mm-hmm. whereas in the past it did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and when well, when the wealth of like a nation, like I I was talking to Hashim about this of like you know that's the sulfur doesn't make the Japanese richer; it makes the Chinese richer. Like when yeah. the exports are always making a different nation richer. Yeah. You know what I mean, and if you if you look at the development that's happening in Chenggu, like, and it's all these western developments and western you know are they though well the workers are balinese right yeah but you can't own you can't own property there if you're not indonesian but your mom said it's easy to like pay people that's true i think there is a lot of western wealth getting wealthier through this development Mm. and i think there's you know i think there are I, i mean I didn't personally speak to any Balinese people who had an issue with that, but, like, going to, to Batur, like, there's obviously a, a situation there where the locals are saying, we don't like this, we don't want this, this isn't going to help our material conditions, having you come in and steal our land, you know, steal our forest, build on our forest. Um, so, like, I don't know, I'm just of the mind that, like, I assume it's not good when Western wealth gets, like, increased on the backs of the land of the people who were there first. I feel like I need to see more, like, I don't doubt at all that, uh, that people are doing backroom deals to get property and stuff like that, but it seems like maybe, it's, it's not, like, as, to, and, I don't know, it's hard to comment on without actually talking to someone that knows what the fuck they're talking about. Sure. seems like, That it's not as flagrant as, like, what's happened in, like, Jamaica, where, sure. like, Sandals, like, has taken over all good beaches and shit there. Sure. And your mom um, your mom kept making this comment of, like, Bali takes care of its people. Yeah. And it's just, like, the mere fact that the law, I mean, I guess, <laughs> just because the law exists doesn't mean that it's followed. It's followed, right? But there's, yeah, it seems like there's at least some protection, like, kind of like we're also talking about in the previous episode like you can't go to a lot of these big tourist things without a guide or Mm -hmm, or they mm -hmm. strongly encourage you to have a guide Mm -hmm. so they're trying to get jobs for people but and non-balinese people can't work in these establishments so yeah those jobs are guaranteed to the people who are balinese nationals but yeah it's certainly uh or indonesians not perfect well it's just it just leaves me feeling like it's an extension it is colonization it's an extension of colonization gentrification yeah. is colonization you can't go into Chenggu. we went to this bakery the next day called copenhagen which is like 
one of the most popular expat bakeries because they were supposed to have a really good cinnamon roll and we were on our cinnamon roll tour but like do you think Copenhagen was like started by and is owned by and the wealth is being mostly collected by a Balinese person because or couldn't say I don't couldn't know say. I couldn't <laughs> say either but like I just have my doubts you know and you're right we if without knowing the details how can we know but it's hard to be like to me being in that neighborhood it's hard to see it as anything other than like a a settler neighborhood for settlers by settlers you know what i mean like what else is it it's not for do you think the balinese locals like go to copenhagen and get a cinnamon roll i don't know don't know (laughs) but it didn't look like it no yeah it was definitely full of all germans but the Um, same thing is in our neighborhood i mean look at the shops that are across the street from us now i've i don't see my neighbors there when i go in there that i'm aware of i mean i think more an issue that we could speak to because we observed it is more like expats like it i we didn't i we didn't talk to enough people or read or i personally didn't read enough to really comment about like who owns what yeah um but certainly like people coming there for extended stays or like expats uh are driving a lot of that stuff as well i just think especially like as we're watching the um the increased coverage of the ongoing genocide in gaza Mm -hmm. you know i think like a lot of that was front of my mind being there too and any time like a colonized where it's right in front of you like this is bali bali was a a colonized nation by the the dutch right Mm -hmm. well indonesia um and then i guess like it's it's just really tricky for me to like feel on board that tourism is like a net positive for everybody when like it just feels like so much of what exists in that sector is i don't know it feels like an extension of gentrification or which is colonization you know Mm. Is, is that just like a is that i mean it's a i think it's a multifaceted issue like the kind of being co-opted into like a globalized economy or system Mm -hmm. through being uh colonized by the dutch you know it's like they whether the people that living live there like it or not they've been thrust into that Mm -hmm. so it's like yes it does seem to benefit some people but it's like yeah maybe it doesn't benefit it doesn't benefit all so, like, people, like, the majority of people that we were talking to that are for it are people that are directly benefiting from mm-hmm. tourism, you mm-hmm. know, like. Which is dependent, too, on, like, having learned English. Yeah. Having having had access to education, not having to labor so hard that you couldn't go to school. Yeah, like, or, be, yeah, being able to afford yeah. a car to give it tours. It ends up being a class issue, too, like, even within, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whatever. Whereas more, maybe up by... Uh, the Lake Batur, where people are more like are agrarian. Agrarian, like, yeah. They're yeah. farming. They're doing the fish farming. They're growing 
the shallots, the tomatoes, and when they lose their land, that's their direct link. That's right. You know. If they're dependent on agrarian practices and not tourism. Yeah. You know. So, I don't know. I just think it's a lot more complex than we were exposed to. And for me, it feels complicated in my own heart and mind just because I enjoy the fucking cinnamon roll. And I enjoy the cold brew coffee. And I enjoy my little resort stay vacation. And I also feel like none of that should exist there for me, you know? And I don't, and that's just like, that's where it is. That is where it is for me. I feel like of two minds where um, I don't feel like I can fully enjoy it. And that's not to be like, boo-hoo, I can't fully enjoy my luxury vacation or whatever. It's just like... We were there. We were, like, immersed in, like, experiencing what we could experience while we were there. Because we were Mm -hmm. there to see your mom, and we wanted to see the rest of the country as well, you know? Island. Island as well. And, uh, Regency? What are Uh, they considered? Regency? I don't know. Maybe states? States. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we would take a lot more time to see the country of Indonesia. It's many islands. Um... Yeah, the Mo, I think the Mo, isn't it the largest archipelago in the world? It's like uh, 200 islands. I wouldn't islands. be surprised, yeah. Um, so we also decided after our last episode to watch Eat, Pray, Love. And I said that after we get back from Bali, I want to watch Eat, Pray, Love. And I want to watch the art, rewatch The Art of Killing, which is a documentary slash like fantasy fiction movie about the um, Jakarta uh, pogroms which was a CIA-backed genocide in the 60s and uh, an extension of, like, communist Red Scare propaganda that the U.S., like, um, uh, planted in people's minds to kill their neighbors for, like, because they were commies or whatever. We're going to watch that together, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But first, we started with Eat, Pray, Love, just to see this, (laughs) like, um, you had never seen it, right? No. And I had watched it, like, ten years ago whenever it came out. Um, To see this kind of, like, fantasy of Bali thing that, like, had had a really big impact on tourism in 2010. Or probably prior to that when the book came out, but then in 2010 when the Julia Roberts movie came out. So we watched it together. And then I also found this essay that you read today and I read Mm -hmm. the other night that's kind of looking specifically at the lens through which the book and the movie kind of, I don't know, would you say fetishizes or like yeah, I think idealizes? In the, in the article, they said they're specifically referring to the movie. Um, oh, yeah, okay. But yeah, just the way that people were presented and how the people main... People in the, India and Indonesia. Yeah, and how the main character interacted with people in India in, and Indonesia in comparison to... Uh, Italy. Italy and her life in New York, kind of. Um, the essay is linked in the album that we're going to link in the show notes, but it's also specifically talking about Orientalism as, like, a lens through which um, the Western mind looks at places like India or Southeast Asia or just any of the Asiatic countries, you know? And, yeah. Um, I think it's a really... I thought it was a... I don't know. What did you think of the essay? I mean, it was it was interesting, uh, and good to see some of those some of the things point pointed out, um, like stuff like her like 
being told not to put her like lips on the coke bottle and you know or the thumbs thumbs up up bottle (laughs) and stuff like that you know um yeah implying that the dirty india was unhygienic yeah um and i think that all of that is like important to think of too even as a traveler like i will acknowledge and recognize that i have like a lot of ignorance around probably even many of the things we've talked about on this podcast you know what i mean as much as i can try to like step outside of my western mind and like you know view this culture with like unbiased eyes I think the bias is somewhat inherent I think it's described I think I saw someone actually this was a tweet like the shrapnel of colonialism is (laughs) like embedded in our beings you know what I mean like it's at least for me it's like a part of who I am and figuring out how to extract that shrapnel is a lifelong process I mean there's so many things that are like culturally imbued in you like that you can't any more than you know people in bali thinking that we're extremely rich or something sure. we're like sure. i think that was one probably one of the most interesting things at least from the tattoo experience uh the tattoo artist asked me he was like oh what are what are the big problems where you're from mm. and yeah just kind of ta- talking to him and his apprentice about uh just like the shitty political structure and like how and how there's no politicians really actually interested in helping people Mm -hmm. and just like the cost of living in LA Mm -hmm. just how astron they're like looking at me like I was crazy on telling them how much stuff costs they're like what (laughs) I mean I remember that from my conversation with Yo-Yo too when we were you know I was trying to understand his perspective of like the upcoming presidential election and I was like oh well do people generally feel like their vote actually elects them the person who they want it to vote who they wanted to vote for and that that person's gonna do what they want he's like yeah and you know that could just be his political stance but Mm -hmm. it could also be like a the fact that we don't actually have a democracy here the fact that our votes don't actually like represent like the majority view as like we're seeing right now the majority view is like please stop fucking you know genociding palestine but like the representative of the people who hold that so so so-called democrats who hold that view like will not be represented by their leader you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like maybe in other places that is like Something that people feel happens. I'm I don't skeptical. Know. I don't believe. I, I don't believe there's ever been a democ a true. I mean, I am democracy. too. <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, I hear that, but I'm also with open eyes trying to be like, maybe it's different. Maybe they actually feel like their views are like upheld by the people that they elect to represent them. I don't know because I don't live there. You know yeah, I mean? and I'm sure it's different person to person who does live there. But, um. Going back to that essay, I mean, listeners, read it. Read it if you wish. Um, rewatch the movie if you wish. It's just one little slice of like idyllic life in Bali and the way that it's presented, and particularly like Ubud as this like center of healing and spirituality and all of that stuff that like is represented in that movie. It's interesting to, I think, just like have some perspective of like the Western mind can't comprehend sort of, <laughs> sort of a thing. And I don't know. Um, I found it interesting. I guess next we'll watch the the art of killing. Cause that was like a dimension of Indonesian history that I had forgotten about. Mm. Um, and like also a dimension of colonialism and like imperialism that really, really shaped um, culture in Java in particular. Um, but I'm sure in the in the nation as a whole, you know. Yeah, especially with 
I guess Jakarta being yeah. the political center for now. Yeah, and I really want to read the Jakarta Method, which is like a, a 2020 book that's like about that whole plan and what the U.S. did and what that intervention like was in a sort of a critical, through a critical lens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's basically the gist. We So we enjoyed our little, um, our time and our... Uh, delicious food in Changgu and then we headed back to Ubud to return the scooter spend a little more time with your mom yeah one last dinner and then back to the airport back to the airport (laughs) um our time in Manila I guess we had a so we had a four-hour flight to Manila and then we had a six-hour layover in Manila. Round two, Manila Airport. Round two, Manila <laughs> Airport. I think we mentioned in the last episode that the last time we were there was, like, maybe a whole of, like, 30 minutes total yeah, getting to our plane. Yeah, even. <laughs> um, this was, like, a little la- less chaotic, I think, just because we had more time. We had more time to figure it out. Nice. And we had done it already. Yeah, but basically... The line that we were able to bypass the first time we had to stand in this time, which yeah. was the like um, the first of two or three, was it three? I think it was three metal detector. Yeah, checkpoints. Um, so we had to stand on this line, which I honestly moved pretty quickly. But they were convinced that there was a water bottle in my bag, and they checked my bag. And I think it was just the co- the coffee, mm. the bags of coffee that I had in there. Yeah, it was interesting. Your, your bag, Allegedly. your bag got flagged for a little search. Yeah, <laughs> it did get flagged for some reason, and then, yeah, I did get stopped. But we made it through. Um, let's see, I changed a little of my remaining Indonesian money to get some uh, Philippine currency, and then I don't know what did I buy? I bought like a brownie. That was all I had money mm-hmm. for. Um, and yeah, we just had a lot of time to kill. We we, went, we took a nap. Yeah, we went to our gate, and there was like maybe two or three other people there already, also kind of sleeping. So we just like, I had taken a um, airplane blanket off of our previous flight. Like I didn't know if you were allowed to do that or not. I don't. It was like I feel like you're supposed to leave them, but I've definitely it taken said them property before. of Philippine Airlines. But yeah. you know, I was like, I'm just gonna leave it on the next plane. It's not like I'm stealing it. Yeah, I'm just it's just going to a different plane. Yeah. Oh, so we put that down, and we slept for a little while, but... We spooned. It was sweet. It was sweet, but then we got really awakened as they started setting up the the internal (laughs) gate metal detector within our gate. It's like a fourth security (laughs) check. No, third one. This was third? Yeah. Well, I mean, we only did two within the transfer. Like, if you were Uh. walking into Manila, you'd probably go through more. Um... But, yeah, so then we got displaced, and we couldn't lay there anymore, so we went over to, like, another holding area, and I tried to sleep there, but it was just not... It was getting crowded. It wasn't really working. Um, You liked our little spoon nap? Yeah. The spoon nap was nice. I think I have a picture of that. We could... Yeah, we could throw that up there. It was nice. I mean, I think I got, like, a decent amount of sleep um on the first flight and then a little bit at the airport but i was like pretty cranky you know i hate having my sleep disrupted Mm -hmm. um and then i was still having like gut issues so i was having to get up and (laughs) use the bathroom like really really often oh yeah it's (laughs) poor honey (laughs) and just like to update i'm now convinced that like i do not in fact have have 
present tense bali belly but i think i might have gotten a giardia parasite because it's coming up on week two starting today is week two of these gut issues from my understanding bali belly when it's just like a bacterial infection or a, um like a fungal infection or other kinds of bali belly will clear itself up after four or five days this has been going on for two weeks now the main symptom right now is like really intense and painful stomach cramps that seem to be coming on after I eat like dairy specifically, but also just like, I guess I didn't have any after I ate today, mm. but I woke did you up. Did have dairy? I didn't have dairy yet today, yeah. but I woke up in the middle. I did have dairy last night and then I woke up in the middle of the night last night with like bad stomach cramps. Um, so something's going on in there and like. I'm just self-diagnosing as Giardia because I know that that is like I, I know that that is one thing that can um, happen. Um, That's why we have the internet so we can self-diagnose. Yeah, you know. So and I shouldn't be like eating spicy food and stuff like that, but it sounds miserable because you're supposed to like starve the parasite out or whatever. But anyway, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it can be bad. It can literally make you like permanently lactose intolerant, which would be like a death wish for me. Like. I need my trees. Okay. <laughs> I think I'll it's be an okay. Adjustment. No, baby. But I, know I don't want to be cheese. like you. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. And you do eat ice cream. I don't want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to eat my cheese and my sour cream and my, my mayonnaise. Well, mayonnaise isn't dairy. Oh. And your tartar sauce. My tartar sauce. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I have Giardia? Question mark? I don't know. Um, so yeah, my, my, but, but, but if, if so, it was in the more like urgent bathroom phase at that mm. time. Uh, what else happened? I had fun going on, like trying to find, I trying to find some breakfast. Um, oh yeah. And also like one of Genevieve's like missions was to try durian oh, and yeah. we didn't end up stopping anywhere to get it while we were It was all over, but Bali. we never stopped. Yeah. But I was going around, um, to all these different little like shop areas trying to find durian. I found quite a few durian snacks, but um, none of them was Genevieve into. She wants. The, I just want to try the pure. The raw, yeah, I want to try like, the actual fruit. I want to try the actual fruit and just like experience it pure. I don't want. I don't want any sissy stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I did get my dad durian chocolate, and I think it's kind of funny to get him that when I haven't even tasted durian. I'm like, <laughs> maybe the first time you try it, it's gonna be the. I'm chocolate. gonna be like, can I have a slice piece of that present I got you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that thing I got you is for me too. <laughs> for me too. Um, yeah, you I did. Kn- you did find some like dried durian. Yeah, there was like a, I can't remember what it was. I was really looking for like, like yeah, like dried, like a dry mango kind of thing, but yeah. Yeah. It was like a snack. I found, a, I found can- durian candy and then some other, like, puree sugar thing. None of it was what I wanted. But, yeah, not not the real real. Yeah. Um, so then at some point, our gate opened or something, and they were like, you have to go through a sec- you have to go through another metal detector test. But we had bought water within the airline, within the airport. And, or terminal, and you still couldn't bring, like, this water... Even if your water bottle was, like, fully sealed, you couldn't like, bring it through. from inside the airport, which is wild, because, like, in LAX, you could do that. Yeah. But... Well, here's what I learned, because um, I was definitely curious. You noted that there was another gate next to ours that was a flight to Japan, and they weren't going through the same security yeah. checks. Um, and I also just found it really strange, so I, like, 
did a very cursory Google of like why the middle airport has such intense security. And it said basically there were some terrorist attacks in, there were a couple of them, but one of the ones that was cited was in 1994. Um, Youssef, I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, he basically a, uh, let's see if I can find the info about this. Uh, I don't know where I have it saved, but basically there was a bombing on a Philippine Airlines flight in 1994. Um, one person was killed, 10 were injured. Um, that person ended up later being like somehow connected to 9-11. I think like his uncle was supposedly the architect of the 9-11 attacks. Um, so he, even though I think like Osama bin Laden claimed that he mm -hmm. had nothing to, that uh, this so-called architect of the 9-11 attacks had nothing to do with it. I don't know. All of it's, like, muddled up American propaganda, and I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically after that, if you've ever heard the term security theater, that's, like, a term that connotes, like, a lot of the, um, so-called security measures that the TSA ended up implementing post-9-11, and so for any flights to America, Australia, and I want to say the UK, at the Philippine airport, you have to go through additional checks because of the TSA. And I guess maybe the UK and Australia also adopted this or whatever. Mm. But it's funny because like the 1994 attack wasn't, it was like a flight from like, um, I think it was like a flight to... Now I can't remember, but, like, East Asia. It wasn't, mm -hmm. like, a flight to America or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so we got kind of got to the bottom of that. Um, but fun fact, though, that um, the person who planted the bomb, like, his reasons were America needs to stop supporting Israel, <laughs> incidentally. So it's kind of like this, you know, everything that's going on right now that's reached a fever pitch and, like you know, media has been going on for a really fucking long time. Those demands mm -hmm. have been there for a long time, you know? Um, so that's why we couldn't bring bottled water, I guess, because the bomb that he assembled used um, a bottle of contact lens liquid, like mm. Renew or whatever, you know, that you like carry your contact lenses in. It had like a nitrile glyceride or something like that, oh. an explosive disguised as contact lens fluid so they have a thing again about like thinking that even if you bought it there you could be like working with a janitor who like switches <laughs> out your bottle like within the terminal it's very like i guess you know it's supposed to be supposedly to make people feel safer but i mean it just pissed me that's off that's just possible but only <laughs> only with like the budget of like a government behind right, it so, like, right. you need to pay off a lot of people <laughs> right which is a whole other thing Ugh. um so yeah that's why but it was very annoying and like i didn't want to be like a jerk it's like the people who work there can't help it but i was definitely annoyed by it you yeah know? and i think i had to like once we were then at our gate if I had to go to the bathroom, I'd have to go back through security, which I obviously had to do. <laughs> you did have to do, yeah. <laughs> so I would have to go back through the security check each time, take off my shoes. It was wild. Um, yeah, I've never seen that, like, right at the gate, a whole mm -mm. other security and bag x-ray machine check. Yeah. Was, yeah, interesting. Yeah, but just for <clears throat> U.S., Australia, and the, I think the U.K. It was something. Um, flight back... 
play pack was pretty chill. Yeah, it was a little quicker. Uh, I think we had like. Oh no, our our seatmate. I'll take the seatmate over stinky foot. Oh. Uh, this guy, yeah, we sat next to some dude that was just trying to chat us up way too personal like right too away. personal too fast like he he was like a you know like an old i get it there's some people who really like enjoy the experience of like meeting their seatmate i think it's a dying art i think it used to be something that was much more common but it's also we had, like, like media on the plane you have to be able to read the room yeah though, too it's like if people want to talk to you like you gotta feel that out you can't just fucking you gotta watch. start with the weather you can't be like how did you guys meet and what else did he ask? Oh, God. Uh, well, he asked about your name, and then he was like, my... My grandkid or my uh, nephew or something has a Swahili name, too. <laughs> and then he also wanted to talk about... I don't know. It was just giving... Can I say this? It was giving very, like, 90 Day Fiance guy who just got back from being with his, like, Filipino girlfriend, like, wanted to, like lay all the info on us the way he was being like yeah i think it's better to like meet somebody online because then like you know the physical doesn't get in the way and you just like when you do have the physical it's just like you already trust each other i was like why are you saying all this i mean that wasn't even registering for me like because i was just thinking of it from my perspective and it wasn't like oh yeah this is this boomer is He definitely uh, wanted like, to talk to us about like, why he was in the Philippines. Yeah, online's okay because you can just lay a lot of shit out there, and if people aren't into it, they're not into it. But, <laughs> but you, yeah. That part, I mean, once you said it, I was like, oh yeah, he that's wanted, probably what it he is. He was t- wanted to talk to us about going and meeting him. Which I'm making an assumption, but like, it's a it's a known. It's like a known, I don't know if it's sex tourism. Tourism is a known industry you know, in the Philippines in particular. Well, I wouldn't say that... I mean, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say that he was doing sex tourism, per se. Like, more like mail-order bride. Maybe maybe it's not... Maybe mail-order bride is, like, antiquated, because it's not necessarily... Like, there's other outlets than doing it through some kind of service. Like, sure, sure. you can do it through, yeah, dating apps, right. basically. Right. Or websites. We're making a, I was making a lot of heavy assumptions, but I was also, like, inferring reading between the lines mm-hmm. of, like his energy and like what he chose to like focus in on literally right out the gate <laughs> and i was like oh, i'm not doing this with this guy anyway so not today sir small talk on planes with strangers is fine you have to have like some riz about it <laughs> you, you need to like you gotta read the room you especially just, you don't know what connecting flight that person came for him it was like he what? was going it to was like Arizona. seven o'clock in the morning for him for us we've been up an entire day before that. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't <laughs> want to like, talk to you yeah. in that moment. Just like, fuck you. I just want to get on the plane and sit down. Please. <laughs> anyway, the flight back was fine. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't think I slept, really. But it was fine by the time we got home. It was like... Was it sunset here? Was it the afternoon? Mm-hmm. No, we got here in the morning. We did? Oh, we Yeah, did. we landed at like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. That's right. So we had a whole day ahead of us, and then I was trying, struggling to stay awake all day so I could get back on my schedule, but I failed. I fell asleep at like 7 p.m. We spent, we spent like 48 hours on Tuesday. We had like a double back-to-back yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we had two Tuesdays. <laughs> um, I think I'm finally back on my sleep schedule. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm close. I don't know if I'm like 100% You're there. You're sleeping in a but... little later than usual. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I think I'm pretty much back. 
Um, so yeah, that, now we're here. We're back. We're back. Just, <laughs> I brought a parasite back with me, um, and lots of incredible memories. Yeah. It was definitely like, yeah, huge, huge learning experience. I'm really grateful that we were able to do that. Um, I do have a question for you. Sure. What's that? And if you, if you don't want to answer this, we can just cut this out. But do you think you'd live in Bali? If that opportunity, which is potentially a part of your future, if that arises. I really don't know. Um, sorry, I'm yawning. Uh, so, uh, my mom and her partner have, like, a 30-year lease on the place they live. Like, you can't buy property in Bali um, if you're not Indonesian. Um, so, the next best thing is you can get a long-term lease um, and... I guess I've been put on the name for that. Which you didn't exactly know, right? <laughs> no, my mom until didn't you really, got there. <laughs> Yeah, my mom, well, till my brother went. Like, oh. my mom didn't really describe it very well. She was like, oh, yeah, we're leasing this place. Um, can I put your name on there for as a backup? I thought it was like, maybe the, those weren't the exact words, but she made it sound very cavalier. And, like, mm-hmm. I assumed it was something like, oh, I'm an emer- emergency contact. Or, like, yeah, if something happens, it's in my my name, too, so I can, like help delegate something like if if she somehow like is in a coma in the hospital or something like that like that's that's how I interpreted it and then my brother went to visit her and I guess maybe talk to her more about it he was he came back and was like oh yeah you know like you inherit the thing and I was like what because you pay the lease in advance yeah, right? I mean, it's not like you would move there and you'd owe rent no, or something. Um, well, she did. Um, I think you could pay it monthly or oh, okay. whatever, but they Chose had the ability once, yeah. to pay it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, however much time is left on that goes, I guess, goes into my name. And yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if I would like live in Bali full time. It's. I have mixed feelings about it. Like, it's a really cool culture, really cool place to yeah. be. Um, I would love to, like, yeah, get to know more about the culture and the people. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, <clears throat> the people we interact with were really interesting and dope people. Um, the area wouldn't be my first area that I would choose. I would probably live, like, in Dempasar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're a city boy. Yeah. Um, and it's so hot. Like, I yeah. would want to be close to the beach or closer yeah. to the beach. At least yeah. there's, like, a little more airflow. But Well, Ubud is supposed to be, like, cooler because <clears throat> it's higher altitude. Is what I found it to be the I hottest. I thought it was hotter, too. It was too. the hottest place. I mean, that's what I... Everyone kept saying it's cooler in Ubud, and I was yeah. like, where? But, I mean, we were coastal. And, like, in a mountain, like, mountain town every other Yeah, time, up so. in the mountains, it was definitely cooler. I don't think Ubud's high enough to really be that much cooler. Yeah. But, I, granted, we were there, like, the start of the rainy season. Maybe during, like, the dry season, there is a notable difference. But, um, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, some of the stuff my mom was um, at least telling me, at, at least for... <clears throat> The visa they have, I guess they have, like, a retirement visa, but they're saying, like, to stay there, you have to employ <clears throat> at least one um, Indonesian person. Um, so, yeah, for me, having an employee feels weird, right. since I don't 
have like a business like right. uh so is that a require that's a requirement of having the lease or of the visa no the visa oh, okay. so the visa i think i'm not sure if it's <clears throat> like a long-term stay visa requirement or just the specific retiree. to the retiree yeah. visa um so my mom and her partner they have a driver um and i think the wife of one of their like of their adopted family there um is like a housekeeper so yeah i don't know how i feel about having a housekeeper or a driver like both those things make me feel weird a little bit yeah um but yeah i don't know i'm i'm really unsure (laughs) i mean your your mother's in great health it seems like jerry's in great health we probably won't have to think about that for For a while (laughs) But anything is possible. Um, I feel like I would go there for a short period of time if yeah. we needed to, like, sort things out or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it. it I also hold very, like, um, conflicting feelings about it. And not being able to work there, because I'm not, yeah, I'm not rich. I'm not, like, sitting on a pile of money or anything yeah. like that <clears throat> where I could just go and hang out. <laughs> um I just don't know, like, how feasible that would be for me. Maybe in the future that I might come across something that I can do more remotely or... Well, we could do travel statism. Yeah, travel statism. You want to talk about... (laughs) We had had this... Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. We jokingly uh, were playing around with this idea that we would become travel bloggers or travel influencers. We'd take our sacred statism accounts and, and that following and just do a total... 360 and become travel, travel. Sadism, <laughs> where we're just travel bloggers and i have a little picture on our <clears throat> photo shoot of like temba leading me in like the classic travel couple blogger <laughs> style because like the trope is very funny and like um lame but <laughs> but like we still think it's like funny to play with yeah we were joking our, our angle would be like we're traveling but we're like kind of being like frugal budget travelers and making choices that are like Maybe more, like, masochistic, or mm. we've made choices that are, like, not sadistic per se, but, like, masochistic, self-sadistic. Yeah, self-masochistic. Just, like, getting ourselves <clears throat> into little, like, trouble, like, getting choosing these... Pickles. Getting, our, <laughs> getting ourselves into little pickles. Yeah, I, I was like, that's... But I think we, we joke about that, but I would say, like, in our hearts, we're also both very, like, gross. Like, that's... Mm, that's yeah. That seems... Eh, it's like we have the wherewithal to do those kinds of things. We probably could, and we probably could live like a very different life than we're living. But we also both have this like ethical quandary of like we don't want to be like gross little like parasites on Earth, like yeah. going into places and like I don't know. Damn us, <laughs> damn us, and our like ethical quandaries. You know? <laughs> Why can't we just get into travel pickles for a living? you know what i'm saying um yeah i mean if i lived in bali i I think i could parlay into some kind of remote work um which is what i'm trying to do right now anyway but you couldn't bartend no because um you have to be indonesian to work yeah uh those kind of jobs uh so yeah you know what? We don't have to cross that bridge now. I just wanted to get your read on it. Just gonna kick that can. Yeah. Well, it's not a it's not an immediate <clears> like <throat> a choice we have to make anyway. But it is one of those things that's like, 
eventually that might um, be a thing, a thing yeah. to, to consider. Um, we did make a choice about uh, our relocation plans that maybe we'll get into in a different episode, but we think we're going to keep our options open for relocating from Los Angeles. Yeah. We had talked about going to Berlin as, like, the, like, set thing we were going to do, but I think we are now going to allow the horizon to expand and, like... Yeah, see see what comes to us. See what comes to us, (laughs) like, explore other options. I think I want to be exploring, like, residency and art opportunities and maybe even... Maybe, yeah, maybe going back to school for a graduate degree, which I've thought about many times over the years, and just seeing if any of those kind of, like, life choices end up leading us to, like, a place to reside outside of L.A. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think travel was, like, helpful in that way to, like, reframe our thinking about it, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's our Bali Travels. Hope you enjoyed listening to him. Yep. <laughs> uh, we're just back in LA. I'm about to travel again uh, in just a few short weeks. I'm going to go home to Minnesota. See the new family member. See the new nibbling, the little, the new little worm the, on the scene. The nephew worm. <laughs> the nephew worm child. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> some other family and some other high school friends. Maybe go to the East Coast to see an old friend of mine I haven't seen in a while. I'm still figuring out those travel plans, but... Yeah, we're like moving again. Things, you know. Back into the old grind. Yeah. Grindy grind. Back into the, you, you got a new job. I don't know if you want to talk about that. But. I did get a new job. Like I, I interviewed um, while in Bali, that <laughs> which was, was very <laughs> heroic. Yeah, that was a lot. That was like I think, I don't think I'd fully adjusted to the time zone there yet, but it was like, t- ten p.m. Bali time. Bali time. Uh, and it felt like two a.m. And I think at, at yeah, it felt it felt much much earlier because I think at that point we were still like getting sleepy around like nine o'clock, nine thirty. Yeah. And then yeah, I had to stay up for this interview at like ten, and then yeah, coherently answer questions about bartending and stuff. And it's just like at the end, I was just like, uh, sorry, I'm so out of it. I'm really zonked. Like I'm like in between two time zones right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I guess I didn't do that bad because they called me in for a second interview and yeah, um, got the job. So I've been, this week I've been doing training and also working my other previous bartending job as well. You're a busy boy. Uh, I don't like working two jobs. No. It's too much. Yeah, no, of course. I gotta work that out. Look at two schedules Mm. and yeah, I don't know, hopefully... Hopefully one of them will present themselves as being a better option than the other, and I can just do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope so, too, as swiftly as possible, because it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I've done two jobs before, and it was gnarly, gnarly, way too much. Yeah, I think, yeah, I have two, but they were, like, when I was, oh, when, yeah, when I worked for Zipcar, I was doing that kind of, like, mon- Monday through Friday-ish, and yeah. then... On the weekends, working at Horse Thief. Oh damn, <laughs> damn, that's a lot. Yeah. No, you gotta value. You gotta value your time off for your many hobbies. Yeah, I've got a lot of very important hobbies. I get <laughs> my ass back into archery and hunting. Yeah. We're maybe gonna go hare hunting. Sometime soon, yeah. Sometime soon, we're gonna go to the hot springs tomorrow. But Yay. we will update you on all of that on our next episode. <laughs> thanks for traveling with us, and thanks for listening to our 
blatherings. Yeah, and enjoying <laughs> our pictures. It's like a Facebook photo album. It really brought me back. So until next time, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K halitosis, cosmic halitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am gorgeous taps and Temba is Tembizzle T E M B I Z Z L E. Thanks for listening.